Hello, all you wonderfully strange and unusual creatures. I'm Corey. And I'm Courtney. And this is Sinister Crimes and Cocktails, a true crime show that digs into the dark depths of sinister minds, their menacing crimes, and mistakes left behind, all while sipping on a sinister cocktail masterminded by Corey for each episode. We want to first start out by saying that our sinister cocktails featured for each episode is just to help us lighten the mood a bit on the dark and horrific crimes we cover. And in no way, shape, or form are we trying to make light of the horrific crimes. Please know our hearts go out to the victims, their families and friends, and law enforcement affected by each of the cases we cover. With most children back at school or about to start their school year, we decided that for the month of September we would do something a little different by taking a deep dive into the sinister origins of themes centered around children, such as the dark history of nursery rhymes and fairy tales to ghost sightings of children. Corey, what sinister cocktail have you masterminded for today's episode kicking off the month of September? I am calling this one the Menacing Muffin Man. One ounce of vanilla vodka, two ounces of the Stella Rosé Blueberry Wine, two ounces of cranberry juice, half ounce of blueberry simple syrup. You want to combine all this together in a shaker with some ice and give it a good shake. Double strain it into a glass of your choice and garnish with a lemon twist and enjoy. And it's so good. It tastes like a blueberry muffin. It is so good. Very, very good. I'm thoroughly enjoying this one. Me too. Good job. So, all you strange and unusual creatures, pour yourself a cocktail and settle in for the sinister origins of Do You Know the Muffin Man Killer? Believe us, you're gonna need it. Hold on, I gotta take a sip. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking good, Corey. I know, it is really, really good. Children's literature has always been vital to society, helping young minds understand complex issues. Many literary experts believe that nursery rhymes often contain hidden meanings, references to historical events, or were critical of political and social climate of the day. Most people are familiar with the nursery rhyme, Do You Know the Muffin Man? with its lyrics, Do You Know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? Do You Know the Muffin Man? Who Lives on Jury Lane? Now, there are different variations of the nursery rhyme, but they don't deviate much from the original, with its origins unclear. Different theories have emerged over the years of who the Muffin Man was. Many claim that the true story of the Muffin Man is a sinister one about a serial killer in 16th century London. In this version of the story, the Muffin Man was a pastry chef who killed several of his rivals and more than a dozen children on a street in London called Drury Lane. So, does this nursery rhyme have a sinister and dark origin, or is it a simple cautionary song? Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) What's really cool about these kind of stories are, is that a lot of them are really based in a history, historic figure that did happen. That's what people understand. Like, you think you're singing a cute little nursery rhyme to your kids, but it's actually pretty much deeped into something that's really sinister and that happened back in the, you know, 1600s, 1700s, back in the day where we didn't have television, that kind of stuff. So it's really cool to go back and deep dive and really connect them to the different actual true crime people that committed crimes to them. I fucking agree. It's going to be fun. Do you know the Muffin Man's simple lyrics and catchy tune have made it a favorite in popular culture throughout history? The nursery rhyme has been used in advertising campaigns, including a Folgers commercial that aired in the early 1980s. It has been referenced in movies, TV shows, and even video games. The nursery rhyme has been repeatedly covered and adapted by performances and songwriters. One of the latest recordings was done by Adam Lambert to the tune of Cher's song, Do You Believe in Life After Love, on Jimmy Fallon's primetime game show, That's My Jam. And that is a great fucking version. Oh my it God. It is so good. If you haven't seen it, YouTube it. Yep, it's really, really good. You know else too, I will tell you, you know, a lot of these nursery rhymes would come up from parents trying to teach their kids back in the day to stay away from certain people. How smart are these parents to come up with these rhymes to, hey, this is the tale that you you say and sing to yourself. So if you see the muffin laying on Drury Lane, you stay away from it because you're like, do you know? Yeah, I know. So 
it's kind of a really cool old school teaching how we teach our kid to, you know, say no to drugs campaign that happened in the early, late 80s, early 90s kind of thing. Or that catchy little ditty of, hey, don't touch me there. This is, this is my, my no-no square. No-no yeah, no-no square. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. So you have like those really, all the way dating this far back to parents trying to protect their kids from somebody obviously who is, you know, going to harm them. So very, very cool to, to see how that still to this day transfers over to parenting. I would fucking agree. My bracelet is <laughs> it's clinking against the other one and that sorry, my ADD kicked in and it's bothering me now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking I can hear the clinking of muffin man. <laughs> I'm making my own music <laughs> over here. My own music. Just a little, do you believe in the Muffin Man? <laughs> the Muffin Man famously appeared in the second Shrek film with Lord Farquaad saying, Yes, I know the Muffin Man who lives on Drury Lane. Oh my God, one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> I was <laughs> When I saw that you mentioned this, I was like, oh my God, this is my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny that he was meant, the one that lives on Drury Lane. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. According to subsalve.org, the Muffin Man nursery rhyme was first mentioned in a manuscript called Songs for the Nursery, which was published in 1805. But according to Londonist.com, the earliest written record of the rhyme appeared in an 1819 manuscript dubbed Life High and Low. The outlet speculates that the Muffin Man started out as a kind of trashy stage song performed in CD venues. <laughs> I'm not sure how that is unless he's like a pimp or something. <laughs> well, I, I feel like it was probably something that these kids have been taught in nursery schools for years, you know, going down the lane. And like I said, there wasn't radio. There wasn't TV back then. Most of their information came from maybe a paper if if they were in a town close enough that had a public paper that would be published on top of just books. So teaching the kids things were going to be songs and word of mouth kind of thing. It wasn't going to be something you would see, you know, on a TV or, or listen to on a radio. So I can see why it became such a popular little ditty. Now, the Museum of London notes that the Muffin Man was first written down in 1820 in merry old England, stating it is a call and response rhyme with someone asking, do you know the Muffin Man? And someone else replying, yes, I know the Muffin Man. Either way, though, the nursery rhyme is assumed to be much older than its first written mentions. Nursery rhyme lyrics have been dissected by many intellectuals, with most being interpreted to have some sort of a hidden meaning. Some scholars believe the phrase Muffin Man is thought to be code for the brave soldiers who were given the responsibility of lighting the muffin-shaped lamps used to light the streets of London. That's interesting because that's not what they're called. Aren't they called like lumineers or something? Yeah, I think it's just the way that they're shaped, though, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, I don't ever remember it being referred to as a Muffin Man of you. I've always heard it as if they had Lumineers or whatever. I, I think it was Well, called. I think it was just the muffin shape of it. That, that's what they're saying. They called him a Muffin Man because it, it was the muffin shape, but I don't remember ever hearing no, the no, guys. No, they're, they're just saying that the lamps, them, okay, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because I can't remember what they're called. I thought they were called Lumineers, but I could be wrong. I don't I forgot what the guys were that were called back in the day that would that lamps. would light the lamps. They would actually go around with their own sticks and they would get up there and I thought they were called Lumineers, but I, I just have never heard of them referred to as a muffin man but I, I think it's interesting it's a good point not gonna lie i didn't even know what the fuck they were called to begin with and you're like i'm like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure they were called they were brave soldiers <laughs> <laughs> well then after the soldiers were done they would i mean there was actually people they paid to go and light the the lamps so that's why i was wondering lamp lighters lamp that's light. what they were called <laughs> lamp lighters you know the reason i say that is because also to remember in uh, mary poppins that's what i was thinking but the he guys was a chimney who, clean there's yeah but then they had the oh, guys yeah, that yeah. went there's the best part if you've ever seen mary that's poppins 
live. The best part of that show is when the when the guys come out and light the lamps and do their dance tradition on it in the play part of it or the musical. I'm sorry. It's my favorite part when they all come on the stage and they light the lamps. That's like the coolest thing. But I thought they were called Lumineers. But OK, I'm off the subject. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> sorry, we digress. <laughs> While other literary experts have suggested that the Muffin Man himself could symbolize hope in the face of adversity. An article done by Subself.org stated, In a harsh and unforgiving world, the idea of a man who made delicious muffins in the middle of it all could be seen as a symbol of resilience and positivity. Additionally, the fact that the lyrics of the song invite the listener to know the Muffin Man suggests a sense of camaraderie and unity, encouraging people to come together and put aside their differences. Well, that's a fucked up twist on it, I guess. <laughs> For me, that's... <laughs> I don't know. I just, that doesn't compute in my brain. I don't know what to tell you. Like, okay, let's talk about a guy that's going to bring us together and sell muffins. Nope. That, I feel like that's, that's reaching. <laughs> I would agree with that. I think I, I believe the other, the other story we're about to tell more. <laughs> Cause why would you teach your kids that kind of a song? And like, I think it would be more for protection than to just have a little I ditty. would agree. <laughs> I would agree. There are those that believe the Muffin Man was not, in fact, a harmless figure from a nursery rhyme, but instead a prolific serial killer named Frederick Thomas Linwood, a.k.a. the Jury Lane Dicer, who some say was England's earliest documented serial killer. Fredericks purportedly killed more than a dozen people, including children, by luring them to their deaths with muffins, thus his moniker, the Muffin Man. This makes more sense to me. <laughs> yeah, this sounds definitely more believable. It has also been said that Drury Lane may refer to the once notorious and dangerous area of London where crime and poverty ran rampant. Per Media.com, in the later part of the 1500s, long before the nursery rhyme was composed, Drury Lane was a seedy area of London where few things were off limits. In those days, the area was overrun with gambling, prostitution, and any number of other questionable activities, with the authorities generally turning a blind eye to them. It was also a place where people came up missing from time to time, more than a few of them, children. Okay, I could see where this Muffin Man killer could have come from this area in London. Sure. I mean, I mean it makes sense why it would be a very true story. And, you know, it definitely fits the profile for a, a true story. Despite the area's reputation for debauchery, it was home to numerous families, most of which lived in squalor, being forced to survive on measly budgets. Many of the area's residents relied on street vendors for their substance. Now, one of the most popular of these vendors were men bakers who came around daily selling muffins and other baked goods for cheap. Most of these pastries were stuffed with a rich filling, which were not necessarily healthy, but desperate parents found it preferable rather than watching their children go hungry. Well, I can fucking see that. I'd be like, yes, this is the best as a kid. I know. It's like their cookie back in the day. Such a London baker was supposedly a man named Frederick Thomas Linwood, who delivered parcels of bread, including English muffins, to residents every morning, like other vendor bakers. Allegedly a master of baking, he had accumulated quite a loyal following over the years due to his quality products and surprisingly affordable prices. Hold on, I need a drink, apparently. Yep, take a drink. Take a little drink, According to Medium.com, although there was no proof to back up these claims, creating Tasty Fair wasn't the only thing that gave this particular vendor his jollies. Unlike the other bakers, Frederick would wait to see if a child would pick up the freshly delivered bakery goods. Well, that screams fucking pedophile. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus. Frederick allegedly lured his child victims by tying a string to the end of a free muffin and then would pull the string, dragging the muffin down the road, drawing the child's attention. Um, okay, that's a little far-fetched for me. <laughs> if my food is running for me, I'm not running after that shit. <laughs> that's prompting the child to run after the muffin. 
I would agree. I feel like all of our children, at least today, are smart enough to be like, that's not fucking right. I feel like children are smart back then. It was like, that muffin's moving. Uh, that's the devil. I'm running the other way. <laughs> running up that fucking muffin. I think that's some bullshit. Once the child was baited and Frederick knew that the child would go with him without putting up a fight, he would make his move. This usually involved taking them to a back alley where no one would see or hear the horrific cries of the brutal slaying. His weapon of choice was supposedly a sharpened wooden spoon. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, damn. What a fucking terrible way to die. <laughs> Apparently, over a nine-year span between 1589 to 1598, terror reigned through the famous neighborhood where he allegedly murdered 15 children and seven rival bakers to reduce business competition. <laughs> now that I believe for sure. That's something that happens a lot <laughs> in this day and age. You know, the rival, they'll take out each other's rivalries, especially if it's a big time thing. I just, would agree with that. Just watch The Food Who Built America on the History Channel. I'm telling you, it'll tell you everything you know. My husband loves that show. Me too. I swear you and my husband are so much alike <laughs> and me and your husband are so much alike. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> that it's not siblings here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we get along so well. <laughs> Allegedly, when several of Frederick's main competitors mysteriously went missing, many believed that they had met their fate at his hands. Now, if these allegations are true, he would have been remarkably apt at hiding the evidence of his sinister deeds since nothing was ever found that tied him to these supposed vanishings. According to this version of the Muffin Man story, Frederick was never caught by the police. Instead, he died around 1612 after choking on a dumpling. <laughs> and if that's true, that's fucking the best karma ever. A dumpling and he's a baker. That's fucking great. <laughs> I don't feel like that's what happened. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that would be so poetic justice right there. It would. <laughs> <laughs> This particular story behind the origins of the Muffin Man is certainly an interesting dark twist on the nursery rhyme. However, is there any truth to it? Historians will tell you that the infamy of Frederick Thomas Linwood is nothing more than an urban legend that took hold and refused to let go. Supporters of this theory notion that the song was probably a roundabout way for parents to caution their children to be mindful of their surroundings and intended to inform youngsters that evil sometimes wears a disguise such as the saying, a wolf in sheep's clothing, which is used to warn of a fall for a ruse and be caught unprepared when all pretense is dropped and one's true nature is revealed. There is in fact little to no historical evidence that Frederick existed at all. Now you might find a mugshot of the Muffin Man on the internet, but cameras and photography didn't exist back then, meaning that the image is a fake. Though there is a jury lane in London, which is located near Covenant Garden, there is no evidence that it was once stalked by a murderous muffin man seller named Frederick Thomas Linwood. As Snoops notes, the rhyme sometimes substitutes jury lane for Dorset Lane, another real street in London. Now, there are a couple of problems with this version of the story's origin. The first being that Frederick supposedly murdered with a wooden spoon, a weapon which, according to experts, isn't robust enough to incapacitate a person. However, I disagree if he's had it fucking sharpened. If his moniker is AKA the drilling dicer, that doesn't make sense. I would have thought he would have diced him up. But I feel like it should have been like slasher or... You know what I mean? Well, it might just be the language that they used. Or stabber. Well, it might be the language that they used. Like, dicer might be what they use for slasher. I don't know. Oh, maybe. It is a different dialect. Okay, so it might just right. be a different English 
version of it. But I'm sorry, I, I get that there's not very much uh, historic information, but before the internet, there wasn't. The only historic information you had is whatever was written down. I mean, it's like, look at the Bible. It's a great, great example of that. How many versions do we have of it? right? And how many times has it been rewritten by people throughout history? So I, I feel like I, I kind of believe that this might be the truer story, the truer version of it, even though there's not enough evidence to pinpoint it to him. I feel still, still feel like there might be some truth to this. You I haven't convinced me. <laughs> Secondly, there is nothing to suggest that Fredericks was the city's first known serial killer. According to all that's interesting, that title belongs to Mary Ann Cotton, who may have killed as many as 20 people, including her children and three of her husbands, in order to collect insurance payments, who was executed in 1873. I feel like we need to do a story about her. Yeah, but what I'll tell you, too, is, is that 1814 to 1873, there's a lot of years that's passed between then. And a lot of things have been developed and has been done since those time periods. So that's a big, big gap. In, I would agree with that. I mean, we're, that's the same gap as us in today's time back into the 1920s. Look at what's been done since then. You know what I mean? I would agree with that. But there are still those who are convinced that the killer muffin man, known as the Drury Lane Dicer, was a real threat who terrorized the streets of London in the 16th century. All that's interesting also reports that there are some parallels between the serial killing muffin man and London's most infamous serial killer, Jack the Ripper. However, unlike the Muffin Man, Jack the Ripper was a very real serial killer who gruesomely murdered at least five women in Victoria, England. Well, we all know that one. We haven't done Jack the Ripper yet, but we will. We will. We'll get there. All that's interesting said that there was parallels between the two. The only thing I could see a parallel between the Muffin Man serial killer and Jack the Ripper was maybe the alleyways. Sure. And that they lured their victims. Yeah. But that was the thing. Yeah. We don't know what they, I mean, we know Jack the Ripper, they were prostitutes. So probably money is what lured them. And we obviously now know that it was a muffin on a string (laughs) 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 for this guy. Though no one can say for certain if the nursery rhyme lyrics, Do You Know the Muffin Man, are in reference to those dark times in London during the 1500s. While the nursery rhyme could be exactly what it seems, a cheerful ditty that holds no secret meaning, there will always be some who suspect that there is something more sinister to the story. I think there's something more sinister to the story. Oh, I absolutely do. There, there's no doubt in my mind. Like I said, I, I believe that this is probably true because I do believe that something like this had to stem from something. I've taken it right off the bat as a warning for their kids. It's a way to teach their kids warning what's going on because news didn't travel very fast back then, right? It was very slow. You probably got the paper maybe once a month if you were lucky about news that what was going on in, in the area. And that again is only if you live in a bigger city, a bigger town area where you have more people gathering. If you're in the outskirts of the urban areas and you only go into the bigger town once a month to get something, you know, you're going to be more susceptible to a serial killer of this type. So if they teach little ditties, little songs about it, the kids can be, oh, you know, the muffin man on Drury Lane, oh, stay the hell away from him. <laughs> He'll lure you with a muffin and kill you, stab you with one spoon. So I kind of tend to believe this might be a little bit more true than they're giving credit for. I would agree with that. Well, I know this was a short one, but it was a fun one. It is very fun. I like looking at these things because there's so much history embedded in these. And I really do think that while I know there's no hard evidence of it, but there is some evidence out there of it. So I, I tend to believe that this is probably something that really did happen. It's probably a true crime somewhere along the way. I would fucking agree with that. <laughs> well, as always, stay, stay strange and unusual. We'll be back next week with another cocktail and a new tale of sinister minds, reminiscing crimes and mistakes they left behind. Thanks for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe and download us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, 
or wherever you listen to your favorite show. Want the recipe to try Corey's Sinister Cocktail from today's episode? Or have any constructive feedback or true crime stories you would like to hear us cover? Or even Sinister Cocktail recipes for us to try? Email us at SinisterCrimesAndCocktails at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.SinisterCrimesAndCocktailsPodcast.com, Facebook page, Sinister Crimes and Cocktails, and our Instagram page, Sinister Crimes and Cocktails. Love what you heard? And want to help support our show or donate to our Sinister Cocktail Fund? You can donate to our cash app at money sign, Sinister Crimes, all one word, and we will give you a shout out on our next episode and which fund you donate to. Thank you. (laughs) 